0: Good evening and welcome to the On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. My fandom may or may not be for sale within the next few days, but joking aside, you can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. No, but seriously, my fandom is up for sale. Please get me a team that doesn't break my heart every five minutes. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, I just kind of feel like talking crap because this team against the San Jose Sharks in a playoff race totally laid a massive egg, and I'm so tired of this team just continually looking like it really doesn't want to play professional hockey. I mean, tonight the Jets were, in a word, embarrassing. Um, You you know, despite the fact that the scoreline looked closer and the Jets were pretty close to tying this game against San Jose with the uh, extra man, Winnipeg should honestly be ashamed. Through the first 25 minutes of this game, they'd managed to hold three shots on goal. The Sharks basically schooled them for, you know, well over half this game, especially at even strength. I mean, the Jets basically had nothing going. And it's not like this hasn't happened before. Winnipeg has been pretty bad at even strength against multiple teams and multiple opponents. And against one of the worst teams in the NHL, on the road, Winnipeg basically looked like a lottery team for most of the game. And that that cannot happen. I mean, this team got embarrassed by the New York Rangers a couple of nights ago. Winnipeg, again, were made to look like a team that has absolutely no hunger for the playoffs. Like a team that just does not really care and that's already checked out. And, I mean, that's totally mind-blowing, because Winnipeg is only one point out of a wild-card spot right now, and the fact that they just didn't even bother to show up until they had the man advantage or something is absolutely unbelievable. I You know, I think I would normally be more, I guess, passive about this, or perhaps apathetic if the Jets didn't just sign Maurice to a three-year deal. Are we going to be looking at this for the next three years with this team? Is this what the Jets are just going to keep doing? You know, I appreciate that this sport is extremely difficult and that any one night a team can beat a superior opponent. That totally happens all the time, but for the Jets to be completely outclassed for long stretches of this game, except on special teams, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, Winnipeg has so much scoring talent, and prior to the past couple of games, was playing actually very good hockey against some pretty strong teams... It's really frustrating and disappointing because Winnipeg has a chance, a genuine chance to make the playoffs, and yet they just can't seem to string together more than a couple of games at a time where they look like an actual NHL squad. I don't understand where the accountability is because the guys always say, oh, you know, we we worked hard and we have to improve on, on certain things and, and try and make sure that we don't commit turnovers or f- put in more fight, more effort raise our game and elevate it. So why then have they not elevated their game? What is holding this team back? Is it just the coaching? I can't I can't really buy that description. I think I think the Jets in general just aren't good enough on too many different capacities. And yes, tonight the Sharks were probably lucky that the game wasn't tied by the end of regulation, but that you can't play like 15 minutes uh, in a 60-minute game and complain when you don't win. Winnipeg is trying to figure out if it's a a trade deadline buyer or a seller, and if any of these efforts as of late are an indication, the Jets basically don't have much uh, much of a shot of being competitive in the playoff scene. I mean, any sort of positivity that I felt coming into the past couple of games has basically evaporated. I was hesitant to get excited. I thought, you know, maybe it'd be a little bit too soon to say the playoff word, And sure enough, the Jets have kind of collapsed in the past couple of games against opponents that they really should be doing much better against. I can accept a close competitive game with some, you know, mistakes here and there from the defense that we know is going to struggle. But the Jets, in so many capacities, were completely outclassed at various stretches of these two games. And I just don't understand what exactly it will take for this team to look more like an NHL squad beyond just getting two or three defensemen. That can't be the solution right now. Winnipeg isn't getting reinforcements anytime soon. Not even uh, by the trade deadline would I anticipate the Jets getting anyone of value. At most, we might see like one second pairing or third pairing guy, but more than that, probably not. It just seems like the Jets are running out of gas, and if they keep relying on Hellebuck all the time, it's not going to work out. Hellebuck had to be very sharp tonight on a number of high danger chances or weird deflections and stuff, and he was, you know, one of the only guys who showed up for the early stretches of the game. I just, for the life of me, I'm baffled as to how Winnipeg can be rested for a game that's extremely important to the playoff um, implications and scene, and they look totally incompetent and useless. At some point, this team is going to have to decide if it actually wants to win or not, because I did not feel that hunger and that desire to win until it was far too late for this team to get back into it. Again, yes, the Jets were a little unlucky that the game wasn't tied, and that they didn't get at least a standing point out of it. But also, they were not really unlucky because they didn't put themselves in a position where they could win the game and get, you know, both standings points. They played a quarter of a 60-minute game, and they got the result that they deserved. And again, this isn't the first time that they've done this. We saw it last season, and it was pretty miserable, especially when they kind of looked like they quit at times. They didn't really quit here, but they just looked unprepared, and, you know, how can you look unprepared when you have almost four days of preparation for your next opponent. San Jose is a bad team. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL. They have dreadful defending, and like the only functional part of that team is their penalty kill, which actually created a couple of shorthanded breakaways against the Jets tonight. Wow. I mean, seriously. That's how bad things were. I don't know if Maurice feels secure now that he's got his contract extension in tow, but Winnipeg had better start getting some results here pretty soon, because if they want to be relevant in the playoff picture, if they want to be taken seriously, they have to start winning. This team, again, has too much talent to be wasting this much time and this much energy playing really futile hockey, and it's just very frustrating to continually watch this team do it over and over and over again. It's it's insanity doing the same thing over and over again with... The exact same results, even though you think something's going to change. Unless Winnipeg actually makes some adjustments and starts going back to the things that made them successful in games against Boston, the Blues, even the, the Hurricanes. I mean, uh, what is Winnipeg really expecting out of these matches coming up? This was their golden opportunity. And yeah, 4-1-2 and two is not... Or 4-2-1? I think it's 4-2-1. That's not bad. It's not great, though, when you need to win almost every game to have a shot at the playoffs. Winnipeg doesn't have any margin for error, but all we've gotten is nothing but errors in the past couple of games, and it's just, I don't know, man, I'm getting tired of it. It's very frustrating to feel like your squad should have all the talent in the world, all the ability in the world, and yet the Jets just keep looking like a team that's closer to a lottery pick than playoff contention. San Jose is a lottery team, and yet they look like they wanted a wildcard spot more than the Jets did. That can't happen. That cannot happen. The next few games on Winnipeg's schedule should be relatively manageable, but, I mean, the Sharks and Rangers were supposed to be totally manageable, and yet Winnipeg totally crapped the bet against both of them, so let's not take any, uh, any games for granted. Winnipeg has Chicago and L.A. on Sunday and Tuesday, respectively, at home, and if Winnipeg can't win either of those games or drops even one of them, they're kind of out of the playoff running. I feel like three out of four of their last games being L's is going to be a problem. That is a total of six standing points with Arizona, I think Calgary, and Nashville all kind of hovering around you. I mean, Winnipeg just can't afford to drop standings points. I mean, they've played more games than a lot of their opponents. Everyone else has games in hand on them. Once the rest of the league catches up, I mean, where is Winnipeg really going to be sitting? And in my opinion, they'll be outside of the wildcard spot by three or so points. This team just can't seem to stay fully together for more than a couple of games. And, you know, they've already beaten the Hawks once in the past week or two. They could beat the Kings, but every time we've played LA, the Jets have looked really sloppy and poor. They then get to go on the road to Ottawa and Philadelphia, and I'm not really feeling like either of those games is going to be particularly great. The one against the Flyers is especially problematic because Philadelphia, uneven as they can be, also have the potential to be a really great, really strong team with a ton of offensive firepower. That, to me, just screams trap game, and I feel like the Sens game won't be any easier. Then Winnipeg has a, a back-to-back, or the, the back-end of the back-to-back. After they p- play Philadelphia, they get the Sabres. And, you know, Buffalo's supposed to be an easy opponent, but... For the Jets, what is easy at this point? After they're done doing whatever it is that they're going to do in the next five games, they then have to go uh, like a home-and-home set against the Washington Capitals. And the first game will be on the road on the following Tuesday, the 25th. If you ask me, that's just going to be a loss. I really can't see Winnipeg winning a road game against one of the best teams in the NHL. Winnipeg's habit of taking a couple of really stupid penalties every now and then is going to bite them against the power play that has Alexander Ovechkin, Jakob Vrana, Of Evgeny Kuznetsov when he's healthy, TJ Oshie, John Carlson. I I just don't know how Winnipeg is supposed to stop all of those weapons with that PK unit that's basically useless half the time. Winnipeg's PK unit is ranked 28th in the NHL right now, and I just can't imagine, even with a scuffling Caps team, last night they pulled off a 3-2 victory on a comeback win against the Avs. Do I really trust the Jets to have even a prayer against that squad? If they can't handle business against teams like San Jose and the Rangers, then no, I really don't think Winnipeg's going to pull out any points out of these two games. The Jets are playing not particularly well right now, and it's been a continuing trend and theme for this squad over the past season and a half. This Jets team is just not doing particularly well, and unfortunately I don't think it's going to change come trade deadline time. I have a preview of our trade deadline outlook. Uh, It's a brief three- or four-minute thing. It'll be coming up next week on the national show. But, you know, I I think going forward, Winnipeg is in no small degree of trouble. They really need to get healthy, for one thing. And I feel like Brian Little coming back, Adam Lowry at some point getting healthy. Um, I mean, Tucker Pullman's back, but I feel like Pullman doesn't really change the arithmetic for this team. He is technically better than a guy like... Anthony Boteto or Lucas Sabisa, but then if you scratch Niku instead of, like, Sabisa, you're not really gaining any puck-moving skill on the back end. For me, this team is basically the same as it was pre-injury with the defensive structure as it is. So the only thing that's really going to change is the forward lineups. And as far as the forwards are concerned, yeah, I mean, Brian Little might uh, might be really helpful in the power play. Maybe he gets some even strength scoring, but beyond that, I don't really know. He's not exactly like a two-way center that uh, you'd probably be looking for um, to fill in that second-line center role. I think Andrew Kopp is a lot more of the second-line player that uh, we'd be looking for as far as defensive responsibility, good forecheck, good uh, good scoring in hands, which he had another assist tonight, actually. Great pass to Wheeler, so obviously Kopp is, is taking an elevated role in running with it, but beyond that, I mean, Winnipeg's forward unit is kind of a hodgepodge of guys who can score a lot of goals, but probably won't be in the position to do so. Of the guys who have been frustrating me recently, I really feel like you know, Kyle Connor tonight was both pretty good and also really terrible. And the the funny thing is he has one particular job for this team and that's to score goals. It's obvious that he's not really a play driving winger in the sense of like a Nikolai Ehlers who handles zone transitions or offensive zone injuries and set up play. I mean, Connor does have the ability, or at least the the tool sets and skill sets to do it. He just hasn't really put it all together. And I feel like the more that they ask of him, the less he's actually going to be effective. That dude missed like three or four empty nets tonight, and and some of it's a little bit unlucky, but some of it's just you know, if you're a, if you're a goal poaching predator, if you are somebody of of Kyle Connor's supreme finishing talent, you have to make at least one of them to tie the game. At least one. That's all I ask. And yet he wasn't able to do it. He and, and Shifley recently, they're both snake bitten and also frustratingly not playing to the level that we know they can. It's not like Shifley's been terrible, but defensively, Shifley's taken shifts off. Connor is the same as he always has been, which is kind of a one dimensional poacher. I'm just not seeing a whole lot of, of value in this top six where we can see a lot of a lot of opportunities for this squad to dominate other teams at even strength. This team doesn't have enough balance as it is, and sometimes they can play competently and outscore their, you know, dispensive lapses and and maybe their play driving issues, but overall I feel like Winnipeg is just sort of, at best, an average team, at worst, kind of running out of time as far as... Um, any sort of competitiveness is concerned. People have said that the cup window might be over. I'm not really sure that that's the case. I mean, Winnipeg can actually get back to competitiveness in a pretty short period of time. They've got a lot of pieces to work with. It's just whether or not Paul Maurice is actually going to be the guy to get them there, and I'm I'm not really convinced. I don't know that the guys are convinced either. Blake Wheeler seems to be pretty on board, but you hear Mark Shifley in the way that he kind of had pretty downcast body language on his extension news, and how Andrew Kopp has kind of almost implicitly called out the coaching staff before. I'm just not really sure that the kids are all on board, and the kids are really the ones who matter for this team going forward. Unlike the Jets who may not know who's the most important players to them, you can rest assured that as an advertising partner with the Locked On Podcast, we will always put you first. By now, you've likely heard about all of the advertising opportunities available with the Locked On Podcast Network on a national level. But what you may not know is that Locked On Winnipeg Jets is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Jets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On Jets gives your local company the unique ability to reach fans in your area on a routine basis. These aren't just any podcast listeners, they're Locked On Podcast listeners. If your company wants to connect with Jets fans who are predominantly male, well-educated, and with disposable income, then feel free to drop us a line as soon as possible. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com advertising and send us a message. Our team will work with you step-by-step to achieve the greatest level of Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com advertising. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Can the Winnipeg Jets season be salvaged? Is there a way to save this team and get them back into, I guess, playoff contention, even though they're technically still in it? Are they really? Let's be honest, probably not. But in the super ideal universe where we pretend everything is happy and fine and great, let's think about what you do with the Jets lines. And I guess... I I think you probably take Mark Shifley and maybe pair him with Andrew Cop. I think Cop kind of needs to help Shifley out because Mark is not doing any, any defensive work, and I feel like Cop is a better passer at this point. Even though Shifley has excellent vision and, and distribution, he's not really using it in the way that he's traditionally been doing it in the past, and I feel like he's becoming more of a uh, shoot-first kind of guy, and I feel like, eh, not really a fan of that. And I feel like Linea desperately needs somebody who has chemistry with him, and who knows how to feed him a little bit more consistently. Line A at even strength is not really getting much from Shifley or Kyle Connor, so I think Cop would be very helpful in that line, at least in getting somebody who can feed him the puck with a little more regularity and better spots. If you have a, a second line with, say, Little back in tow, I think you probably go... Um, I'm actually not sure if you take Wheeler from center. I think Brian Little is a natural center, but maybe Wheeler is best... Um, occupying that middle role because Wheeler defensively has not been able to manage the central slot this year so maybe you put Little at wing with uh, Matthew Perreault uh, Perot, Wheeler, Little. It's kind of an odd arrangement. I'm not really fond of it but it is technically an option. Third line probably Lowry uh, maybe Roslovic. Harkins maybe? Yeah Harkins should definitely be on the third line I don't know about Roslevic. I feel like Jack just hasn't really done enough consistently to get a whole lot of ice time. He's a skilled and talented player but beyond that, I just haven't seen enough from him consistently to feel like he needs elevated ice time to really shine. I'm just... I don't know. I know the the general thinking is you need to have a lot more uh, deployments to, to maximize your potential, but I feel like Rosselvik just hasn't made the most of it, so I'm kind of ambivalent. You could also theoretically swap Lowry and say Little so you would have... Uh, a second line of Perot, maybe Lowry, and Wheeler on the flank. I don't like that just because I feel like you want to try and spread out your play drivers a little bit, and in this case, even though Perot's declining, you'd at least have uh, Perot facilitating stuff on the second line, while Lowry handles the matchup minutes and kind of grinds out possession on the third line fourth line is going to be Shore with Appleton and I guess Chipasov or literally who even cares at this point because Maurice is going to keep playing Bork and Logan Shaw so I don't know whoever he decides to make the other wing doesn't really matter to me same difference at this point if the Jets could acquire like Dylan DeMello I guess your defense becomes Morrissey Pionk I forget if DeMello is left or right-handed but Kulikov DeMello would probably be your second pair and then you could do maybe Niku Pullman on your third pair Of course, Maurice would never do Niku Pullman. He's not really one for high-risk pairings, which that one would be a high-risk third pairing, but I'd totally be down for it as far as um, controlling their minutes and trying to be at least a little more creative and with a little more puck movement. I think the first two pairings are kind of mediocre, and if you could get someone like Jonas Brodin to further strengthen that top four, things are looking a little bit prettier, but beyond that, I don't expect the Jets to do much. I feel like Dylan DeMello is as much as they're going to do, so... Let's just assume that that's the guy they pick and kind of go with if somebody else doesn't beat him to the punch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to do for this team. I mean, the Jets are kind of stuck until at least Dylan Sandberg maybe signs or they get some help from the Moose. Veselainen maybe does enough at some point during the uh, Moose season to prove he deserves a call-up and a little more uh, offensive time for the Jets, but beyond that... Yep, I think we are looking at the roster that they would try and take on any sort of playoff run. Based on how it's fared over the past couple of months, not great, Bob. Not great at all. Thanks, guys. I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Hopefully your Valentine's sweets were a little more sugary than whatever the Jets gave us tonight because I uh, I didn't really enjoy talking about Winnipeg sports tonight, but that's that's the breaks. We have a couple of games at least coming up in the near future, and hopefully they're slightly less embarrassing on the horizon during the week of the 28th actually there will be a couple of special episodes at the end of the week that are tales from the game-worn hockey community and if you guys want to know some really cool stories about uh, collectors who have interacted with uh, former pros some of the crazy jerseys that they've found in places like thrift shops and some of the amazing stories that they've had for making connections and networking this is a series you'll want to tune into it'll start off with three interviews to begin with but over time i will plan to add more on a more regular basis this is just going to be because i'm going to be out of town for the foreseeable future for a couple of days um, for a convention and expo so these uh, episodes will kind of fill in the gaps but if you guys like it i will probably have more for you in the near future thanks again for listening and as always go jets go have a great night